Hello and welcome to Web3 Delight Podcast. My name is Tesha Teshanovic and I will be your host today. Web3 is not about technology. This is a social movement towards transparency, consensus, inclusiveness, ownership and openness. To that end, we'll explore different elements of Web3 with our guests and learn from their journeys. You're one of the hosts of the Web3 Delight Abu Dhabi. What are your impressions of the event? Uh, We know that the whole GCC region is investing a lot in digital transformation that also includes technologies such as blockchain and other technologies from the Web3 stack. You know, I just think that this conference was just so right time, right place, because as you say, this region is so in the middle of um, digital transformation. And part of this is simply because the region is catching up very quickly. You have a ton of money which needs to be deployed. You know, the biggest, well, one of the top three private equity funds, sovereign wealth funds in the world is here in Saudi Arabia. And they have been buying and investing in infrastructure all over the world. And this reminds me of my time 20 years ago in Adesham when I met Masayoshi san at SoftBank Venture Capital. You know, he started off involved in real world investment. And then as technology took off, he started investing in all the infrastructure in Web1. You know, um, he owned a third of Yahoo, E-Trade, E-Loan, 100,000 other companies in the end. And when I met him in 2020, he was proud to say he was the second richest man on the internet because I think Bill Gates was worth something like 4.2 billion. And he was worth something like, you know, 2.7 billion, something like that in the scale. Of course, those numbers seem tiny now, but coming back to the Middle East, that is the opportunity now. The fact that digitization is so linked to what countries need to do with their workforce as well as their GDP. So both ends, you know, make money, but also occupy people and give people a rich life and a rich existence. And this society right now is very, very concerned with having impact on society in general, as well as getting down to the level of families um, and individuals. As an expert in leadership development, where do you see the gaps that need to be filled in the current model of development of the Web3 startups? Are Web3 startups at this moment truly developing the leadership that they need? I guess the true answer is it depends. Of course, some are functioning well, of course they are. But as a market, I think I'll take a step back and put it like this. Leadership hasn't changed since the dawn of time. You know, leadership is leadership, right? Alexander the Great, um, uh, every military empire that's ever done well, every big company that started somewhere. Effectively, yes, it had the right idea. Yes, it had vision. But then it was bringing people along with the vision to do things. And... That's not easy to do for technically minded people. You know, people come in because they're an expert at something and they they really do have a good technical vision to fix a real world problem, inshallah, right? That's that's the, the magic formula for having something that somebody might want to invest in. Then you have money and you start to have more people than just the one or two friends you have in your garage. And then leadership really becomes, well, how do you manage your resources first? But then how do you do cross-functional work, cross-silo work, right? So you're actually meeting and getting um, out to market as quickly as possible, getting proof of concept as quickly as possible, and bringing your people with you. The other part of that is having your people 
become your best ambassadors because they like to work here. Now, I started off saying that leadership is leadership. And of course, I truly believe that. And it's almost not something that you can doubt. But what has changed, perhaps, if we look at the other side of the equation, is the people. I mean, people now who are, let's just say, 18 to 25, let's extend it, 18 to 30, who might be the target audience of the employment uh, in Web3, most likely, they have very different expectations of life. You know, they're not looking for a job for life. They're looking for a project. They're looking to make impact. They're looking for people to help them develop quickly. And technical skills-wise, they have found ways, which is why they're there in the market. So they have their technical skills, and they continue to learn. This has been even more accelerated in the post-COVID years, I would say, in general in the world. But now, suddenly, they're working in teams and virtual teams. And they have a vision of things that's changing very, very quickly sometimes in dynamic markets. You know, the underlying technology doesn't change. Technology doesn't necessarily change that rapidly, even new technology. But how it's going to be deployed, how it's utilized, how you need to hit the market, that does change. And that can create an awful lot of stress for everybody. So I think, yes, leadership development in general needs to become a core component of every successful leader. And if you look at successful leaders, they have this. You know, sometimes when you have conversations like this, it can sound like, yeah, well, that's lovely. But, you know, it's like saying everybody should speak French as well. Now, if you don't, the barriers to entry are probably 10, 15 years, right, to be really, really effective and um, do business. But leadership development doesn't have to be that way. It's just, you know, I've worked in this field for so long, and I've also worked as an entrepreneur um, and worked in, in big business, in strategy, in strategy execution, program management, everything except the technical side, doing it myself. I worked in Silicon Valley. And, and what I see is this. These are the commonalities. If you can hire the right people who have the technical expertise at everything and then bring them together in a way that works for them. So it's not heavy-handed. It's not one-size-fits-all. It's bring people together and then release their strengths. And by strengths, I do not mean their technical skills because technical skills are always being developed and they come and go and things change. But their underlying strengths. If some people are very good on the analytical task side and other people equally work in the field but have certain skills that, you know, relationship building, being glue in a team or influencing other people, you need to create these teams where everybody gets their underlying needs met as human beings so they can actually bring these strengths into the workplace and have these teams thrive. Um, I get excited about this because, you know, you can, you can do this very quickly. You can start with a company that's, that's working and within months you can have teams succeeding and when they don't succeed at, at a project or in a week at something, learning so that very, very quickly together, they learn how to be a winning team, just like a football team or anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. And one of the problems in development of the leaders in Web3 is the high volatility of the market. You know, things change rapidly uh, month after month. That's very true. And, you know, if we talk about leadership or, or talent in general, one of the big bottlenecks for Web3 is sourcing the right talent. You know, are the right numbers of people out there who actually can do what we need to do? 
Um, and I think the answer to that is it's competitive. It's highly competitive. And one of the things that we need to do on the talent side is to create pipelines of people who can quickly get into the market. Um, as an analogy for people who don't work in Web3, let's look at it like this. In Australia, with the mining boom in Western Australia, which has been almost recession-proof now for 20 years, they've been pulling kids out of university doing four or five-year engineering degrees in year two and saying, we'll give you what you need. You've got enough technical skills to come and be useful. We'll continue to give you what you need, um, day release, any configuration that works, and pay you very well because there's a fight for talent and it doesn't exist. So they're going straight to the source of the next generation of leaders and the next generation of technical staff and getting them, you know, getting them very rapidly. So you have kids who are who might have waited four, five, six years before they earned $150,000, $200,000, earning that almost straight away in year two of what would have been their degree. And companies, in this case, mines and the um, supply chains around them, working effectively and you know, making money and um, supplying the market while the opportunities are there. I think that model, rather than talking technical, is exactly what's going to happen with Web3 if it's not going to fail. It has to happen with Web3. So in order to o overcome the continuing challenges, obstacles, and risks, uh, there needs to be more investment in the human capital by the Web3 companies. I don't know about investment. I think it's, I look at it this way. Um, we're not talking about moving huge money about of uh, excuse me moving huge parts of your money you know um, into human capital. What we're talking about is making sure that the people that you do bring on are working effectively as a team with leaders that have the right vision and have the strengths of all the human beings working together and are aligned. Now that doesn't have to be a hugely expensive proposition, but it does have to be that some something that you have your eye on like. Hey, say it was you and me working on some new Web3 idea. I'm very clear I don't know how to code. I'm also clear I can learn most things pretty quickly, but that doesn't mean that I'll ever be good at it. So I'd have to hire the right people. And doing that would mean that I'd have to help monitor, support these people in a way to create a culture that actually creates a winning culture for them and for us. You know, actually create an environment where we get the best out of them. And these people are the experts in the things they're going to do. So as soon as they think, even have an idea that they're not going to meet targets, that we communicate, you create that kind of culture. You know, very different to some of the Web2 and um, um, bricks and mortar companies where people meet their KPIs in silos, effectively. Um, and to do well and to thrive as individuals, let alone for the company, they, they feel they need to do this. Otherwise, effectively, their careers get punished. So in Web3, we're talking about you know, what are the, re the real values underlying Web3? People come to it because they do want an environment where there's trust, where there's transparency. And it's about enhancing and, and utilizing those values so that they become part of the DNA. I don't mean stupidly, you know, throw a ton of money at something when you have limited funds that have no impact. No, I'm talking about helping people to have a common language and to develop skills where they get the best out of themselves as a team and team at every level, you know, the small teams, the bigger teams, putting it all together. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, but here's a practical problem. A lot of these Web3 companies start as a small scale startups, you know, with less than 10 employees, but then at some point, they get a lot of capital, they do an ICO, they get a VC funding, 
And all of a sudden you have like hundreds of millions of dollars of funding. And then how does the uh, culture of that company needs to change in order to accommodate, you know, the scaling of the company? I think one of the few things that's that's universal there is you have to, to have an eye from the beginning on modeling the values that you want to create in your organization. You know, it's easy to talk about, I want my people to be like X, Y, and Z. But if they don't see that with a top team, where most, in the end, most of the decisions are made, then it's just lip service and nothing happens. So you need the board and the top team or the original team, and then the top team as it grows, really living these values, sharing information, um, not being worried about meeting their, their own KPIs in a silo, but putting that energy into how do we work together? Now, you can go to the internet and look at really successful entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs, you know, and he'll talk about this when he was alive. Basically, one person at Apple was in charge of each thing. And then they worked incredibly hard and incredibly collaboratively um, across all those silos, as well as up and down their culture, communicating and making things happen together. And we know what's happened after that. I mean, Apple phones and Apple watches are all over the place. It's a multi-billion dollar organization, right? It doesn't, you know, culture doesn't mean taking a blueprint from outside and it looking and smelling the same way everywhere. But it does mean that it needs to fit the people. So the people who are there can thrive. It doesn't have to be that they're there forever, but people have to be aligned so that they can thrive in circumstances that they really can thrive.